0: Welcome to Biotalk. My name is Jeff Meyerson, CEO and co-founder of Locust Walk, and you're listening to Biotalk, our podcast for biotech dealmakers. This episode of Biotalk is focused on Locust Walk's 2023 Year in Review Market Conditions Report, in which we apply the latest data to analyze current activities in the biopharma deal landscape. Each quarter, Locust deal team compiles key statistics and trends showcasing what is happening in the global private and public capital markets and strategic partnering and M&A activity. In the next few minutes, I will provide deal-making context, highlight events that have had a critical impact on the biotech industry, and provide our outlook for the future along with our advice on how you can survive as a biotech dealmaker. To provide some structure, I will first cover biotech capital markets touching on both public and private market performance over the past year. I'll then transition into strategic transaction activity, covering both M&A and licensing. Please note, the full report published on the LocustWalk website is over 60 slides, so while I'll do my best to summarize, as always, I encourage you to check out the full report for additional detail. To download this report, please go to locustwalk.com and go to our Insights page. As the listener of a biotech podcast, you may well know that this has been a relatively challenging year for the XBI until the middle of the fourth quarter. The index traded below end-of-year 2022 levels for much of the year, but in spite of this, finished up 8% due to a remarkable fourth-quarter rebound. Digging in a little deeper, concurrent with this upswing, Q4 saw a significant uptick in total follow-on offering volume and size, up to $3.5 billion from $1.4 billion in Q3, as well as pipe volume and size, up to $1.7 billion from $600 million last quarter. Although IPO volume in the fourth quarter dropped from the third quarter levels, annual IPO volume increased 30% from 2022 levels, albeit at a fairly low rate. Performance for IPO follow-on and pipe offerings in the fourth quarter was also generally positive in line with market performance. While all of these indicators suggest the beginnings of a gradual thaw for biotech public markets, biotech public investors will be hoping that Punxsutawney Phil does not see his shadow come February, heralding another XBI downturn, as was the case in 2023. Unfortunately, winter continued through 2023 for biotech private capital markets. Overall, private financing deal value and volume in 2023 remained relatively flat. With the depressed levels observed in 2022. Financing activity continues to be increasingly dominated by clinical stage opportunities, with deal value attributed to these deals increasing from 38% in 2021 to 58% in 2023. That's a remarkable shift from early to mid stage. Interestingly, the distribution of series rounds has remained relatively consistent over this period, suggesting that the bar for each financing round has risen somewhat uniformly across this period. The general malaise in biotech private financing markets also extended to European and Asian geographies, where 2023 levels remained about on par with 2022 and well below levels observed in the prior bull market cycle. In terms of strategic transaction activity, the string of multi-billion dollar acquisitions by Big Pharma in the fourth quarter was the catalyst many of us have been hoping to see for some time. In December alone, including even the last week, usually a quiet period, there were seven biotech M&A deals greater than $1 billion, with 10 such deals occurring in the fourth quarter. These transactions drove the largest quarter for biotech M&A since the fourth quarter of 2020, and propelled aggregate 2023 value to $162 billion, which significantly surpassed the ninety-four billion observed in 2022. And while I could wax on about the MA activity observed this quarter for hours, I'll end with one final statistic of note. Despite the significantly increase in total value for 2023, total MA deal volume, the number of deals, was roughly equivalent in 23 compared to 22, with 81 and 76 deals, respectively. So that massive uptick in average deal value alludes to the size and profile of the acquirees, suggesting positive transaction momentum for the sector moving into 2024. In a similar vein, 2023 saw the greatest licensing deal activity observed over the past three years, both in terms of overall deal value and volume. While aggregate value was certainly boosted, and perhaps with an outlier, by a selection of large high-profile deals like the Daiichi Sankyo Merck ADC collaboration, the consistent relationship between value and volume may speak to these transactions, really serving as an alternate means to capitalize companies, given the frosty state of capital markets especially for private companies however throughout 2023 licensing deals continue to be heavily backloaded reflecting the challenging market and really reflecting the the re- leverage that pharma companies have over the smaller companies where total upfront consideration accounted for only about 18% of the total deal value in the fourth quarter one final interesting indicator for the current state of biopharma deal making is that the aggregate licensing deal value for phase one assets jumped threefold from 2022 levels, which signifies a potential reversal in the what I call bimodal preclinical and post proof of concept deal distribution that characterized the 2022 landscape, also known as a strategic valley of death. That would make a really good sign for early stage biotech to have more options for deals in the IND phase one, phase two way space. So, Where does that leave us, and what is our best advice for the current market? While public biotech markets may be beginning to thaw, the limited IPO volume and restriction to late-stage approaches suggest that the improvement in the circumstances and capital access is limited to a subset of late-stage large biotechs, at least for now. There are earlier-stage biotechs in the IPO queue, which could change this trend, Our bet, however, is that these will be one-offs and early-stage companies will continue to struggle with IPO financing so long as interest rates remain elevated. Access to capital for early-stage private biotech may continue to be restricted, although we believe that there will be an uptick in 2024. We've heard rumblings from investors of a crossover market emerging given the backlog of private companies with maturing data and investors who have fund timelines where they need to start deploying capital. Unfortunately, investors who can choose to invest publicly or privately have largely shifted to public. That reversal will need to occur concurrent with an uptick in IPOs. Fortunately, the increase in licensing volume and value, especially at Phase 1, suggests that now more than ever, monetizing undercapitalized programs represents a key tool to secure non-dilutive funding to advance core programs and platform development. Such partnerships have the added benefit of providing external validation that may become instrumental to securing fundraising, whether public or private, as market conditions improve. For private companies with investors who are tired or public companies who have traded below cash for an extended period, it's important for both their investors and management to really be objective about whether the company can and frankly should exist as an independent entity whether pursuing strategic alternative uh, like business combinations represents the best strategy, especially with larger biopharmacists continuing to transition into quote buy mode. I would argue that this consolidation accelerated to some extent in 23, but there's still a bunch to be cleared out. Even with a reduced number of companies trading below cash, that marker is still fivefold or sixfold higher than it was pre pandemic. One of the best indicators from JP Morgan, in my opinion, was the increase in transactions for companies that did not have randomized controlled phase 2B or later data. The companies that get bought before this data point encourages capital formation and overall industry positivity. To capitalize on this emerging trend and based on our experience, exit value is maximized by making informed strategic decisions with sufficient runway to accomplish the desirable outcome. Though I fully recognize the difficulty of making such a call. However, while the tide may seem to be turning based on the XBI and large-cap M&A deals, I reiterate my belief that it may be a little while until the top-down improvements in macro conditions lift the boats of the smaller public and private biotechs, and thus companies really need to plan accordingly. 2024 will absolutely be a better year than 2023, and I share the enthusiasm for many at J.P. Morgan because of the shifting macro wins and increase in M&A, especially pre-proof-of-concept. That said, this year will certainly be nonlinear, and we're already seeing that in January with some of the struggles of the XBI, and it can be very bumpy and will not be easy. When we're writing our market conditions for 2024 at the end of the year, my prediction is more IPOs, more crossovers, similar MA, and a general uptrend that actually might be hard to see without zooming out on the year. The good times are far from back, but we've passed the bottom of the market. And this is from someone who's been bearish and on the record as such for the past three years. As evidenced by significant approval seen in the past year, the pace of innovation continues to be driven by strong companies advancing differentiated technologies, emphasizing the importance of pursuing robust science that address patient unmet needs. The beginnings of a thaw observed over the past quarter is a good reminder that eventually, the macro economy and capital markets will eventually heal, ushering in a new era of growth for the sector. In the interim, continued focus on controllable factors that will improve innovation, differentiation, and position will enable companies to evolve into strong entities maximally positioned to take advantage of the coming spring. So in conclusion, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Biotalk. Please share your thoughts and feel free to suggest potential topics and, of course, guests for future episodes. We look forward to a productive dialogue and hope that you tune in to our next podcast. Please share with all your friends and colleagues to help us grow the audience. This is Jeff Meyerson for Biotalk, signing off.